0: Pioneering Today podcast listeners. On today's episode, we're going to be talking about different ways to afford homesteading when you're broke. Um, Specifically, I'm going to share 10 ways that you can save money to help you fund to be more self-sufficient, building up your preparedness, and that kind of a thing. So living this simple life is something that many of us dream about, but let's be honest and real for a minute. In order to raise your own food, to preserve it and increase your self-sufficiency, you do need to invest in some tools and equipment to do it. Not for everything, but if you're going to do it on a you know, pretty large scale, there are tools and equipment that you have to have in order to do it correctly and safely. And I think most of us want to be more, more self-sufficient, but how do you go about transitioning or getting started buying supplies when you're strapped for cash? I've been thinking about this for a couple of weeks now after I read so many of your guys' responses to our reader survey, which huge thank you to everyone who filled it out and responded. You have no idea how much it's helped me know what kind of things you need more information on and help on. And it was I had so much fun reading the comments. In fact, in some of them, I cried. You guys are awesome. I have the best listeners and readers in the world. So by far... One of the biggest challenges is finding the extra cash or money to use on your Simple Life projects. And oh, my friends, I hear you. I so do. My husband and I actually were just crunching the numbers after raising and harvesting 25 chickens this year for meat. And if you're like us, there's it seems that there's never enough money to fund all the things that we want to do. And sometimes there's barely enough to cover what we need just to make ends meet. And truthfully, I don't foresee this changing for most of us. And what I mean by that is, while more money would certainly help all of us realistically, that's not really the answer to our financial issues. And I'm going to discuss in a part two, that'll be a part two series to today's episode, ways to add income. But today, that's actually not what this one is going to be on. So my dad is a really wise man. The older I get, the wiser he becomes. Really funny how that works. (laughs) But he was raised through the Great Depression. He entered into logging. Um, He actually quit going to school through the 10th grade and started in the workforce and supporting himself. And he has been self-employed while raising 10 children for his entire life. So he knows a thing or two about stretching a dollar. And he's always told me that it's not about how much money you make, but about how much money you save of what you do make. And these are really wise words. And this is where we're going to start. And this is where all of us need to start, truthfully, each and every one of us. So the best place to find extra money to fund your endeavors is by saving some of the money that you're already earning. So in other words, your and my job right now is to be frugal. And this is going to take some time. You most likely aren't going to save a huge amount of money immediately with these tips, though you can save significant depending upon where you're already at. But it all adds up over time. So I have 10 ways to afford homesteading when you're broke that I want to share with you guys today. So number one, the very first thing is to get everybody on the same page and on board with what you're saving up your money for. So if it's a pressure canner to be able to can vegetables and meats and combination recipes, maybe it's a dehydrator, maybe it's a solar oven, it could be a way to treat your water, bills, just to pay off bills, because getting out of debt should be a major priority for homesteaders and anybody wanting to become more self-sufficient. Well, anybody, truthfully, not just if you're wanting those things, but anybody. So whatever it is, make sure that your whole family knows why it's important for you guys to reach that goal or to have it. And why you're going to be cutting back on some things until you've saved enough money to make that purchase. In fact, honestly, it might be you who needs to be reminded of why and what you're saving for. And that is truth for me. Because trust me, old habits die hard and you're going to be tempted to fall back into those old old habits so it's really important and number one is to remember your why remember why you're you're doing this because there are going to be times when it's hard and it's tough and you want to remember your end goal and your purpose for doing it and it really does help if everybody in the family kids spouses especially understands why it's so important for them and for you because once they understand the why there'll be a lot more willing to be on board with it at least that's the way it's been in our family especially with my kids So, my number two tip is to use cash. I know that you've heard this before. It's nothing new, but there's a reason that so many folks say it, and it's because it works. And it's especially worked for us. If you stick to only spending the cash that you have designated out of your budget for certain things, then you're not going to overspend because once the cash is gone, it's gone, and you can't keep, well, you shouldn't go back and draw more out. So, using cash and It is really true. It's a lot harder when you have that cash in the envelope and you see that going out. (laughs) Um, It really makes you think more about your purchase than if you're putting it on a debit card, even or writing a check. My third tip is to meal plan. The area that I can cut back the quickest on is our food budget. And that's especially true during the summer and fall months when our garden is producing and prices are generally lower for produce at local stands, farmers markets, and that kind of a thing during this time of year when things are in season. Um, in our where I live in the Pacific Northwest, our biggest growing season is a harvest season. Specifically, is usually from now, which is in July, um, through about October, is when the majority of crops here are coming on. And so it's going to depend um, where you live, obviously, on when your growing season is and when your you know seasonal local foods are in. But for us, that's this time of year. And it also means if you meal plan that you're not going to end up at six o'clock at night with nothing for supper because that is when you're going to be most tempted to use pre-made foods, which are always more expensive, or to go out to dinner, which is going to be way more expensive than cooking it yourself. And another thing with meal planning, instead of making your favorite dinner or your favorite foods just because they're your favorite, which there's nothing wrong with cooking what you really enjoy and your favorite things don't get me wrong, but if you don't have those ingredients on hand and you're going to the store to purchase purchase those to make your favorite thing, you might not really be saving that much money. So with the meal planning, it's key to cook with the items that you already have on hand. Shop from your pantry first. So if you're used to purchasing items that are already made, find one of the items that you eat on a daily or at least wake- weekly basis that you guys consume often in your family and learn how to make it at home. So we did this very first thing with bread, and I know that people are crunched for time. I get that. Trust me. Oh my goodness. But we first started with this five-minute-a-day day no need bread, and it works really well when you're pressed for time. It's also a soaked flour recipe, which um, helps break down the phytic acid, and many people believe is easier on the digestive system and is healthier. So it also qualifies as that. And After we did that and mastered that, then we worked our way into making our own yogurt at home. So these are just two examples, but with these two items alone, I save $7 a week and that all adds up. So any of these things that I'm mentioning, I have links to in the show notes. So if you're listening to this on the go, you can go to melissaknorris.com and click on the Pioneering Today podcast button at the top of the page. And this is episode number 59. And all you can go by that and click through and there's full transcripts of the show. And then all of the things I'm talking about, you'll be able to click through, get the recipes, find the articles and download all the fun things that I throw in here. So just know that you can grab those all there. And if you need some from scratch recipe ideas, because I have to tell you, sometimes you just get tired of cooking what you know, you know, when the recipes that you have, and I have never turned down a good recipe, no matter how many I have. So I have a full recipe page of all of the recipes that have ever been on the blog. And so you can access those again at um, episode number 59 on the podcast page. So you can go there and peruse through those and find from scratch frugal recipes. My fourth point is the little things add up. And I know when we were really starting to look at our budget and ways to cut money and trim down, sometimes it's really easy to just look at the big bills and the large ways to save money, which we should do. But, and I did do this with our mortgage. Um, I actually called our mortgage company and by paying bi weekly, so every other week dividing the monthly payment up into every other week, I knocked seven years off our mortgage, which is pretty huge that's a lot of money, especially, I mean, really seven years of a mortgage is a lot of money. And all we've done is it's basically the same amount. The way that breaks down is I think we end up making an extra one or two payments a year because of the weeks. And it breaks down when you're doing it biweekly, but we really haven't noticed very much. It hasn't put a big strain on our budget doing it that way. And so if you haven't done that, I would highly recommend it as a place to start. Um, And so that's with the big bills. But of course, the little things add up. I have justified small purchases with a thought, well, it's not that much, so it's not really gonna matter to the bottom line. But when you're serious about saving up, every little bit counts. Because sometimes those little things add up to being a whole lot. So track your purchases, even on the little things. See where you're spending every day, every week, add it up for the month. And you kind of might be surprised at how much those little things are starting to add up to And then this is another tip, and this is number five, and that's to volunteer at a food bank. So if you volunteer at a food bank, you also get to take home some groceries. And a lot of people don't meet the qualifications for using food banks, and I'm not sure if they differ area or by state, and I am not endorsing fibbing about your income to get food from them. But if you put in your time as a volunteer, then you a benefit of, of that is you get to bring home some of the food that's at the food bank as well. So this may be a way that you can stretch your grocery budget and you can also help out and help other people. So I always think helping other people is a great thing and then if you benefit to it from it as well, then that's great. But So this might be something that you could look into. And then my number six tip is actually to look into gleaning. So gleaning is a biblical practice if you're not familiar with it. Um, in the Old Testament, God told the farmers to leave part of their harvest for the orphans and the widowers to come through and pick in order to feed themselves. So in my county where we live, there's actually an organization that's called the Gleaners. And so you can check in your area and see if there's some there. I don't know if it's national, but I know that we have one here, or you could look into maybe even starting one. But how it works here is you pay a dollar a day and you can pay monthly or yearly. And you can go in and check everything out one time. You can get one free visit. And then you go to their their store and you can shop daily or weekly. But whatever you're shopping for is free once you've paid your um, amount. So it's $365 for a year or a dollar a day or $30 a month. Um, there are some stipulations. You do have to volunteer a set amount of hours a month as well. And then they also have a thing where you can find large farmers and you can do this on your own as well. This is, but the gleaners also helps does this as well in our area, but you can find large farmers and glean at the end of the harvest. So sometimes for free or at greatly reduced prices, you can do you picks and you go through and you know, the most of the crop is done, but there's always, you know, things that come on at the end, even though the majority is gone. And so the farmer wants to move that and he wants to move it quickly. And so, a lot of times, you can go into a field towards the end of it and it's a little bit harder picking because there's not as much that's there that's ripe and as good, but you can find things to glean. So, that might be another option that you can look into too to help save on your monthly food budget. And then, of course, number seven is to preserve your own food. It doesn't do you very much good to have food if you let it go to waste. Oftentimes, to the foods that you can get from a food bank or gleaning is close to being past its prime. So you'll need to preserve it right away, really soon, sometimes within the next 24 hours. And you know I have you covered on that end of preserving your own food with our Ultimate Home Food Preservation Guide. So you get instant access. It has, um, I think at this point, it's over 130 plus resources that help you preserve food at home safely. And it covers canning, dehydrating, salt preserving food, preserving food and oil, root cellaring, so all kinds of ways to preserve food at home and there's tutorials and everything in there. So make sure you get signed up to grab your copy. Now number eight that I have on our list and that is to wait 24 hours before making a purchase or if you have to make the purchase right then and there to save the receipt. Maybe I'm not the only one, but sometimes I don't always follow my own advice and I end up making an impulse purchase. It's usually always from a clearance rack and it's a really good deal. But that doesn't mean that I truly need it or that I really should have purchased it in the first place. So I found that by waiting at least 24 hours, I usually don't need whatever it is like I thought I did. Or if I do purchase it, I leave the tags on and the receipt in the bag. And if I've had it at home for a few days and I don't use it, then I re-evaluate if I really need to keep it. And truthfully, about nine times out of 10, I end up returning it. Now, I try not to do this very much because not only is it a hassle for me, but it also is a hassle for the store, you know, to return an item. So I try to not do this, but sometimes I do, or sometimes, you know, I'm purchasing for somebody in my family and I get it home and they don't like it, so I have to end up taking it back as well. But The 24-hour rule has really worked well for me, and I've mentioned it before if you've listened to some of the past podcasts or read anything, and it is is true for online as well, so not just in-store shopping because I do some of my shopping online. I try to do a lot of things locally, but where I live, we're a really rural little tiny town. In fact, the closest grocery store is 10 miles away, and though it's great and I'm so grateful for it, it doesn't carry everything. So to do my major shopping, um, we have to travel about an hour one way to reach the bigger city and stores. So online shopping applies to that as well. So if I'm looking at something in online, I might put it in the shopping cart, but then I don't actually check out. And I will go back in a couple of days, and look at it and be like, oh, okay, do I really need this or not? And usually, that waiting period, I don't know, there's something about that waiting period. And a lot of times, I don't end up making the purchase, but sometimes I do. Sometimes it's something that I'm like, yeah, that really is, you know, a good deal. And it's something that we really re- need right now. And I'll go ahead and make the purchase. But it's key is thinking about it. So, number nine is to reuse and to repurpose. So a lot of times we throw things out just because we're tired of them, not because they're necessarily wore out. So if it's broken, see if it can be fixed. Some things can be fixed cheaper than replacing the whole item. This is going to be kind of case by case basis. So you'll have to, you know, you'll have to look at what the item is to decide on that. But for instance, our dryer, which I do use um, during the winter months when it's really wet out and I don't like on days where I'm going to work and we don't have a wood fire going in the wood stove. Um, then I do use the dryer to dry clothes if I'm at home and we have the wood stove going, then a lot of times I'll put them on the rack in the living room and dry them that way. And of course, during this months where it's nice out, like my dryer is probably not used literally nine months out of the year at all. And then sporadically the rest of it, but the, our dryer, it was running, but it wasn't getting warm. So it wasn't drying the clothes and the heater element went out of it. And we had actually purchased the dryer used, um, 10 years ago. And so I didn't know what was wrong with it because I am not a great mechanic. I'll be the first to tell you, (laughs) but my husband and especially my dad are pretty good at fixing things. And so they, um, it was just a heating element that needed to be replaced in the dryer. So it was a pretty inexpensive fix. And that was like, I think like five years ago. And so we fixed that and it's been chugging right along. So you'll kind of want to have it looked at and decide, you know, evaluate the cost and you know and that kind of a thing but a lot of times things can just be fixed instead of tossing them out and we've actually purchased a lot of refurbished items um, that was how we got our washer and dryer actually and we've had really good success so checking out refurbished things is also something if you do have to replace something that you might want to do I highly recommend it um, we actually there's a shop that reap fixes and refurbishes things and then resells them and they have a warranty on them as well and so that's where we purchased ours And so for reusing and repurposing, I had a pair of 15-year-old sweatpants that I tossed in a rag bin because part of the material had worn so thin that it could not be mended (laughs) at all. (laughs) But the legs were fine. And so last night, I used a piece of that um, sweatpant material to stitch up a small sachet of dried lavender for my husband's truck as an air freshener. So a lot of times you can find ways to reuse things like that. Now I'm not recommending that you save any and everything to be like a hoarder, but if it's something that can has be used later, even if it's in a rag bin, I recommend see you know keeping some of it and using it for that. And another instance of reusing and repurposing that we did just this past week was my husband found an old cast iron sink that had been dirt buried in the dirt for decades. I mean, I honestly don't know how long it's been buried in the bank, probably probably like 60 years is my best guess so he we pulled it out and there was um, a small break and of course the glazing on the sink had been cracked and there was a one section on the lip of the sink that had been busted and so he ground that down so it wasn't a sharp edge but we washed it out and then we put it to use as a pig feeder so after we harvest the pigs I plan on using it as a new herb garden container So if you find old things like that, see if you can think of a way that you can reuse it instead of just tossing it out. And if you want to see those, um, a picture of the sink, because it's really cool. (laughs) I'll tell you, I was so excited. Talk about a homesteader getting excited over an old sink buried in the dirt. But that was me. Is you can check it out on my Instagram account. So I always post things like that. Um, And so you can check that out at Instagram slash Melissa K. Norris, or I have a link to it in the show notes. So yeah, think about ways that you can reuse and repurpose different items. That is just, for instance, things that we did just this week. And if you have reusing and repurposing tips, I would love to hear them. So please come and comment um, and then other people can glean and gain from them too. So I would love for you to comment on ways that you reuse and repurpose things as well. And then my number 10 tip is to grow your own food. And truthfully, this is how we save quite a bit of money. In fact, I have a whole podcast on this very subject on the foods that we grow at home and that we never purchase from the store, and we have seven of them. So you can check that out in seven foods never to purchase from the store. And growing your own food can be as simple as starting with herbs. You know, when you're starting out, um, basically a vegetable garden with heirloom gardening seed is your best bet because... You're going to have the first-time purchase of heirloom seed unless you know another gardener and you can get some seed from them. But the heirloom seed, you can learn how to seed save. And then you're not incurring the cost and you're really being self-sufficient because you're going to learn how to save the seed and replant it every year, which is what the pioneers did. I mean, you know, humans have been doing for centuries until the 1940s when hybrid seeds came along and um, we started buying them all in little packets at the grocery store. So, seed saving is something, and learning to grow your own vegetables that I highly recommend. And I also have a free heirloom gardening guide um, book. I think I totally mispronounced that heirloom gardening guide e book <laughs> that is free uh, when you sign up, and you get the download for that when you sign up. Also for the ultimate home food preservation guide as well. So. Learning to seed save is something that I'm really passionate about. My family's been saving our own um, Tar Hill green bean seed for, I say, close to 100 years because my dad did it, my grandparents did it, my great grandparents. I mean, it's just been something that's been passed down from the hills of Appalachia since they settled there. So, probably longer than 100 years, but that's kind of just a rough guesstimate. So, Um, I talk a lot about seed saving and we're going to be having more episodes coming up on that on seed saving different things as well. So you'll want to sign up and make sure that you get those updates. So for more money saving ideas, you'll definitely want to check out our Great Depression money saving series. And so that was a series that I did on tips from the Great Depression era, um, from food pantry and reusing things, just all kinds of ways that people used to save money back then when times were really tough. And that brings me to our verse of the week. So I've been circling back over these two verses in the book of John this week. And I've mentioned before that we're having some extremely dry conditions here in the Pacific Northwest this summer. And I have to say that I have caught myself complaining about the sunshine and the lack of rain uh, kind of a lot. <laughs> and then I was reading this verse, and this is John chapter 3, verse 27. And to this, John replied, a man can receive only what is given him from heaven. And I really just sat and pondered on that for a while the first time that I read it. And I decided that instead of complaining about something I can't change, and boy, does this apply to all of life, but to think of it as to receive it is a gift from heaven. So I've been thanking God for the day he's giving me, including the sunshine And it's really changed my perspective, which it tends to do when we have a thankful attitude, which we're always supposed to, to um, enter into Thanksgiving all the time. And then I was reading in the same verse, or passage, excuse me, of scripture, this verse. And this one really spoke to me as well. And this one is John 3, verse 30. And it says, he must become greater, I must become less. And this is so true in every area of my life. I need to step back and I need to let Jesus step forward. And I wrestle with this a lot, probably more than I should or more than I want to. But every morning this week, I've been rereading over this verse and asking God to help it become true in my life. And I hope that it's a prayer for you as well, because I look at everything in this world from our relationships, our interactions online and social media, um, how we treat people just out in the world, you know, how we think Um everything. And if we become less and Jesus becomes greater, how much of a better world it will be. And not only a better world, but how much better our lives will be. So I wanted to leave you with that for this week. So this one is part one, our 10 ways to afford homesteading when you're broke. And we'll be talking about part two, which will will be more on ways that you can bring extra income in. And this is more on saving income on what you have. So I hope that you enjoyed it. Thank you so much for joining me today. And I look forward to next time.